It is officially summer, and uh, what happens often in summer, and the reason I really like this video, it's, it's this idea uh, that we have that's actually a little bit detrimental. Just because you think something is doesn't necessarily mean that it is, and the idea is that for some reason in summer, it's okay to, to slow down a little bit. The idea is maybe even filters over into us spiritually, that spiritually there's this temptation to, to slack off maybe in our, in our giving of ourselves, of our time, our talent, our treasure, in our, in our attendance, in our involvement. Well, it's summer, man, they don't expect me to, and you're right, man, like we get it, we get it, we're with you, we feel it. It's a drain on us as well at times because, hey, anybody can live for Jesus at Easter, but come July, it's just a little more difficult to get out of the air conditioning. Like, I, I started thinking about going outside the other day. I started sweating. I mean, this is just where it is. It's how it is right now. But summer is not justification to slow down spiritually. Uh, actually, in the ministry and the realms of other pastors and communicators, there's this thing that they refer to as the, the summer slump, if you will, maybe the, the dog days of summer where you see this lull in attendance, in giving, in participation. And so two years ago, in anticipation of this slump, if you will, we brainstormed this promotional and and we called it stay salty we even put a hashtag we created these little uh, pictures of Jesus we put them on popsicle sticks and handed them out to the kids and Jesus was on a surfboard like stay salty new hope summer and pastor John has a t-shirt of uh stay in fact I just welcome him to wear that and lead worship in that next Sunday I just he's going to be so happy that I gave him permission to do that so normally I ask him to dress up a little bit more just professionally and a spirit of excellence but I'm going to let him wear that t-shirt next Sunday there's just this idea that it's okay to slow down. There's this temptation, if you will, even a tendency to, to relax, okay? And I want to encourage you, actually, to overcome that temptation, to acknowledge that it exists, but to do something about it. For instance, and this is not because I'm the pastor, it's not me praising myself, it's actually God having to get my attention, we were walking around this morning. We were praying. We meet at about 6.30. We begin praying at 6.40. Pray for about 15 minutes. Walk the building, the hallways, and, and just ask God to be with us, protect us, and, and minister his word the way that only he can. And, and I was touching the chairs and just praying that God would fill every seat and fill every soul and help us to make room and that we would have more than another service. And, and I was about in the middle section, about halfway through that row and and I just I, I sensed that slump it was just I just had a sense that it was here and and I said God I I, I don't I don't like what I'm what I'm not feeling come on you just ever been like you want to sense the presence of God but you just you feel like you're going through the motions hey by the way it's always better to go through the motions than to not go at all I'm just letting you know it's just that's always a better move but so I just stopped right there and I said God let me give my best today just like somebody else did for me 20 years ago 
let me give my best for whoever it is that needs it this morning. May we not just have another service on another Sunday, but would this be somebody's Sunday that God would restore unto them the joy of their salvation. May this, this be the Sunday that somebody steps out of darkness and into light. Listen, eternity doesn't have time for a summer slump, and neither do we. God calls us to stay salty, to overcome the slump. Go on vacation this summer if you haven't already gone. If you have, go on another one. Take your family. Enjoy time together. But I know friends of mine, pastors, that their mentality for vacation is more detrimental than it is divine. Their mentality is, I need a break from ministry. They take a vacation from Jesus and ministry. They turn off. And I'm not recommending that you go out and work yourself to death when you're supposed to be on vacation. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you take a vacation, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, but don't take a vacation from Jesus. Take a vacation with Jesus. Just like we should take time throughout the week and take a day to stop work. The Bible calls it a Sabbath. By the way, it's one of the top 10. It's like, don't murder, lust, covet, and Sabbath. It's kind of important, okay? Don't work right through that day. Stop work. Enjoy rest. But it doesn't mean to stop spending time with Jesus. We work 40, 50 hours a week, some of us. Some of us we have, and yet we feel guilty when we stop and take five minutes to spend with Jesus. We, take, we feel guilty when we stop and we slow down and we focus on the right thing. Now, we make a, a joke at times, and I'm, I'm, I, don't even, I may not even say this at 11.15, but I just sense that, that somebody needs to hear this. We make a joke at times where we say, hey, look, go on vacation. Just take Jesus with you and leave your tithe here. It's like, we still have staff and bills and, and eternal investments. We're getting ready for health fair. Like, we're not just begging you for your money. That's not what it is at all. What I wouldn't do is take what belongs to God and spend it on myself and call it rest. I would highly encourage you, if you can't afford to go, then don't. Save. Let me give you an example. We had, uh, not at this church, it was in times past, this person called the church and, and they needed help with their, their rent, which we, we're always open to, hey, look, tell us your situation, what's going on? Um, and we're also always, always highly recommend, biblically actually, that the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So if you have the ability, then you need to have your hands on the plow and giving God your best in every area. We didn't say all that to them at that time, but we did, uh, did ask them, uh, were you thinking about the rent that was due this past weekend when you were in Dallas in a hotel and you went to the Dallas Cowboys football game. Were you, were you thinking about keeping a roof over your head when you were spending your money outside of a good steward the way that you should have been 
and then just come back home and see, we're not in the business of, of handouts. We're, in, we're, we're for helping people out, but we want to give people a hand up. And sometimes bailing them out is actually enable them to continue in the same direction and not make any adjustments. And so our, our, our encouragement to them was, look, we're going to do this, but you need to make some adjustments. Well, I tithe and I give. First of all, that was a lie. Um, but second, uh, they were giving, and, and, I, and I, I believe Malachi says, that when you give, when you give, the, the, when you give the whole tithe, when you give the whole what God calls you to give, then God will open up the windows of heaven. And I believe that that scripture is still applicable to my family and, and our finances and our future and our favor and our blessing today. And that he will rebuke the devourer on our behalf. Like, I believe that God will do that. But if you take the other 90% and you waste it on stuff that you don't need, you can be as blessed as you want to be, but you're going to end up broke at the end of every month. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be a good steward of what God gives you the rest of. So go on vacation. But, but we live in a culture that thinks that you have to spend money to have a good time. Just like they think you got to get drunk to have a good time. I'm telling you that you can be as creative. My wife doesn't even want me to spend money on her. Praise the Jesus for that. Come on, somebody. But you know what she wants me to spend? She wants me to spend time with her. She wants my attention. She wants my affirmation. You know what? My babies don't care how much it costs to go somewhere. They just want to make sure that I'm there, that she's there, and that I'm not on my phone paying attention to everyone and everything else in the world except for the thing that's right in front of me that is actually the most important so go on vacation but not from Jesus go on vacation with Jesus stay salty Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 Jesus says to his disciples you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Don't vacation without Jesus. Take Jesus with you. Take Jesus with you. The parallel gospel, Luke. Luke, Luke remembers it a little bit differently than Matthew. It's the same direction, but listen to what he says in verse 34 of chapter 14. He says, salt, salt is good for seasoning. And can I get an amen to that? Come on, somebody. That's, I lived in Canada for what? We called to Arkansas for three years. And I, I, was, I lived in Canada for three months. I was like, man, I'll take Arkansas. At least they got just a little bit of season. I called home. My stepdad was like, hey, man, you need anything? Everything going okay? I was like, no, I'm about to starve to death. All this food is as bland. I mean, it's, everything tastes like I'm eating ice. I mean, it's, no, it's not any good whatsoever. It, I don't care what you send me. Like, you take Tony Satcher, slap your mama, and throw it all in a bag and put it in the mailbox. Send it all up here. Give me some Tabasco and then marinate it with Louisiana. Like, put them all together. Just send me something. I'm telling you, this food is miserable. They need some help up here. Somebody's got to help them. It was bland. It says salt is, is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Like, in other words, if you take a slump just because it's summer, what are you going to do after summer's over with? Do you have to refresh yourself again every fall? If, if, if our students go to youth camp and I'm four and they're going to get spiritually built up, but then they come back and within three or four weeks before they go back on campus, they take another break from Jesus. 
or they have so much freedom that they have no responsibility. Listen, I don't have teenagers yet, but I've helped other people raise a whole lot of them because I was in youth ministry for about a decade longer than I really ever intended to be, okay? And you can ask any of the high school, junior high teachers. These kids don't need more freedom. They need more responsibility. Come on, somebody. They don't need to go. Look, if you set them up for failure, they're gonna fail, okay? You give them more freedom than they have accountability. Do you remember how stupid you were at 15 years old? It's like we forget just because we have 15-year-olds. Don't get lazy just because they get ignorant. Come on, somebody. You got to focus in on them more. We got to spend more time, more accountability, raise more boundaries, and then be willing to explain it. And by the way, live by those same boundaries ourselves. Live by those same boundaries ourselves. You set them up for failure and they will fail. My kids, I know they're going to ask me. It's going to happen. Daddy, don't you trust me? No, stupid trust you I don't trust me the human heart is deceitfully wicked in every way for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God no I don't trust you the only reason that I believe I'm gonna make it is because I'm in Christ I have a whole lot of accountability I'm open with a whole lot of people and I have hedges so high I've built so many fences because I know that it's easier to stay inside of the fence than it is to recover from the fall they're 15, 19, 22 years old. Give them some boundaries. If they have Snapchat and you don't ever see what they're saying and sending, I'm telling you, they're doing things they're not supposed to do. It's gonna happen. You can't live with no accountability and expect for your life to line up with what you say you believe. Everybody needs boundaries and accountabilities. I love teenagers. I get irritated as fool at parents that forgot how dumb they were when we were 15 and 14 and 17 and 18. They were like, oh, they're not going to make the same mistakes. You're right. They're going to make worse mistakes because they're challenged with more than we ever were. And they hold in their hand the key to hell if they're not careful and they don't have accountability and boundaries. Salt is good for seasoning. My youth pastor said, amen. He's about to throw something at me. <laughs> man was standing up holding his chair verse 35 flavorless salt <laughs> flavorless salt is neither good for the soul nor for the manure pile thank you Jesus for that visual image that you just gave us the steamy hot melted manure pile doesn't even deserve salt that doesn't have season in it it is thrown away let anyone with ears to hear listen and understand and then in verse 15 or chapter 15 of Luke Jesus begins to tell the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. What I believe Jesus is doing right here when he's talking about you're the salt of the earth, the salt loses its flavor, it's not very good for a whole lot of anything. And then he goes into telling the story about the one and being relentless after the one. Here, listen to me. I believe that God has subjected his sheep to whether we stay salty or not. Like, whether we reach that one lost sheep or not is dependent upon whether we take seasons off because of what time of year it is or how we feel or what we sense. Stay salty. Hashtag it if you have to. Make a crazy promotional where Jesus is on a surfboard. Stay salty. Let me give you three things salt does real quick. Number one, it causes thirst. It causes thirst. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was to gargle salt water. 
Um, but I'm, it's not any good. Uh, but the one thing that it does do is, first of all, it will clean out the back of your throat. Um, it'll clean out some other things, too, if you swallow way too much of it. But uh, it'll clean out the back of your throat, and it will make you thirsty. I had a friend that unscrewed, I unscrewed the salt shaker, and my dad picked up the salt shaker and put it on his salad, and the whole thing fell in his salad, and my friend laughed. So when my friend went and got a drink, my dad thought it was him that had unscrewed the salt shaker. And I'm uh, being the good friend that I am, I didn't tell him any different. So my dad <laughs> took all the salt that was in his salad, and he put it in my friend's drink. And so when my friend came back, he was eating some pizza, and he took the straw, and he sucked that salt that was sitting on the bottom of that cup. I mean, he just, <laughs> and he started coughing Dr. Pepper all over his pizza, all over the table. And I quickly just, I don't know, it was like the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. I grabbed all the drinks and pulled them away from him so that he just, I just watched him hack. You know, it was hilarious for just a few minutes. But salt, salt causes thirst. I'm going to come back to that. It's, it's we that God uses to cause the thirst that only he can, I'm coming back. Number two, it, salt preserves. Um, even when we went to Kenya, uh, these guys were the Maasai, they're shepherds, and they have sheep and lamb and goat and cattle. This is what they do. They herd and they shepherd. Um, and I've got this whole thing on shepherding after watching these guys operate. But when they would cure the meat, when they would preserve it, they, they use salt to, to preserve their food, to make it last longer than it, than it should have even. Um, you know, it's like, like candied bacon. It's so good. It just lasts forever. You put it in your backpack, and like seven months later, you pull it out. You're like, oh, praise Jesus. It's still, still just good. Still just as good. If, uh, if you want to see something like salted meats, you can Google duck ham. That's a for real thing. Uh, Google that and entertain yourself. And hey, look, make some, and we'll watch you try it. Number three, it gives flavor. It gives flavor. Now, look, I love meat. I love meat. Some of you have heard me say this before. I'll probably say it again. I'm like a second and third hand vegetarian. In other words, I buy corn, give it to deer, and I eat the deer. Second hand vegetarian. That's what I am. I'm, I'm a carnivore for sure. Uh, you know, like I'll, I'll take hay, give it to a cow. Cow makes milk. Milk makes ice cream. I love hay. You know what I'm saying? It's just third hand vegetarian. That's what I am. I, I love meat. I, I was, I knew when Megan was pregnant with Gabriel, I was like, this is a boy because she wanted steak. Normally she just wants pasta and pesto. That's all she wants. She just, she make a whole, when we first started dating, she made me dinner with no meat. And I was like, what, uh, can we talk? I'm just saying, did you pray before you prepared this because you forgot of an essential ingredient here? She's like, what? It's not good? You don't like it? I was like, no, it's very good. I'm just, I got to go to buy chicken breast or something. I got to cut it up, and put it in here somewhere. She's just not really a meat person. I am. And when she was pregnant with Gabriel, she wanted steak all the time. When she was pregnant with the girls, all she ever wanted was uh, chocolate molten cake. And so I was like, okay, well, this is a girl. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Man, I should have bought stock in Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'm telling you, because it would have benefited us in the future. But when she was pregnant with Gabriel, she always wanted meat. I was like, this is a boy. This is a man of God right here. I'm telling you. My man wants some steak in his system. Come on, somebody. But I, I don't know if, if you've ever had steak that just really it wasn't cooked very well or maybe it wasn't preserved the right way or it just wasn't seasoned at all uh like in canada yeah it's just not if you're from canada i'm sorry but y'all can't cook so <laughs> thank god he called me to eunice i'm healthy and happy all at the same time uh 
but it, it's better. Like I'd had some steaks at Outback before, and they were they were okay. My stepdad makes the best steaks of just about anybody. I mean, I've had some good ones here too, but they were seasoned. And Outback has this steak called seasoned and seared. Like the steaks were okay, that they the other ones. But when I got it seasoned and seared, I was like, man, now this is worth coming back for. Salt gives salt gives flavor. Um, Roddy Schaefer is a guy that, a man that God, he pastors a church in Pensacola now. But when he first got saved, I mean, Roddy got saved. Like, like he got saved. Like he was in all kinds of stuff. Like if you can think of it, he was involved in it. Thousands of dollars in casinos, running women, drinking, partying, doing everything. And he came to Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flame at First Baptist Church in Menden, Louisiana, which was hilarious and scary all at the same time. Uh, but he gave his heart to Jesus, like really gave his heart to Jesus. And then he just decided, like, I'm never going to go back again. Like, this Jesus thing is not going to be seasonal for me. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be whatever he created me to be. And he did, man. He started at Baths Park, which was like the Gurney Edition field of my day. Like, that's where we grew up playing, and now they built something new in Menden, and it's way nicer and prettier, but we didn't know any better. Like, it was garbage then, and we didn't. I was like, hey, this is, this is great. It's Babs Park. Let's all go to Babs and hang out all day with no supervision. Whose idea was that? Anyway, so... We were there, and, and Roddy saw all these kids and all these people there, and, and what he did is he saw an opportunity, and he created FCA, Babs Park FCA. Roddy became the junior high basketball coach at Glenbrook Academy, where I went to school from the sixth grade to the tenth grade uh, before I got kicked out and uh, went to Menden High. That's another story for another day, but Roddy was our junior high basketball coach, and uh, he saw this need, like he saw that students would come into the gym and sit in the bleachers at lunch. So he asked the principal and he got it okayed with all the authorities and he started a Bible study on the other side of the basketball court since we were sitting in the bleachers eating food anyways. He started a Bible study on the other side of the court um, as a junior high basketball coach. Roddy would go on to become the the youth pastor at Living Word in Minden, Louisiana. And I came to Roddy because of the investments that he had made through FCA and as a basketball coach. Listen, don't you wait until you're called the full-time vocational ministry before you start letting God use you in ministry, okay? If you're waiting on an audible voice from the Lord, you're going to sit and wait, and you're going to watch other people do things that God could have used you to do. Roddy became the youth pastor, and he's actually the one that when I went to, and I was like, man, I'm, I, I just sense there's, there's got to be something more like than this ebb and flow, this up and down, this sometimes I'm on fire and sometimes I don't feel anything. And he said, well, man, there is. And he begins to show me scriptures about the Holy Spirit and, and how the Holy Spirit wants to baptize us and saturate us and, and give us a prayer language and equip us with gifts. And he says, just lift your hands. And he sits in his office, he extends his hand towards me, and he ministers to me in that moment and I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and I pray in my prayer language he says you're, you're going to preach tonight and I was like I don't have anything prepared and he's like it's okay God will give it to you which I don't highly recommend but for some reason God worked it out that night and, and I stood up and I preached a, I don't even it was in the Bible somewhere and I preached it and, 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 and the whole youth group came forward and, and everybody either like was resaved or rededicated and it was just an incredible night and then for some reason, within about six months, I went back into that slump again. And at 21 years old, remembering Roddy's ministry before he was ever called to full-time vocational ministry, at 21 years old, 
I told Megan, whom I was dating at the time, and, and we were in a place of brokenness because I had slumped. I had slacked. I had bought the lie that Jesus is only seasonal. Um, I told her, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. This isn't going to be a seasonal thing. I, I want to I be what God's called me to be. And as long as I do that, then you can trust God to trust me. And here we are, about 12 years later, doing our best to stay salty. See, I, I believe that our lives should bring credibility to our witness. In other words, our actions should add up to what we say we believe in. Our actions should actually be a representation of our words. We should model what we say is making a difference in our lives. Jesus didn't just tell the disciples, he, he showed the disciples. Listen, hear me, having been a youth pastor for long enough and then just seeing this and you can do demographic studies and, and if you like the social sciences at all, you see that we live in a day and age where saying it from the pulpit is no longer enough. We live in a day and age where people don't want to be told what to do. They want to be shown how to do it. Come on, somebody. They, we don't live in a day where do as I say is, is any longer good enough. It's do as I do. By the way, that's biblical. Uh, Blaine actually showed me this a long time ago, uh, and I'd read over it before. I just never caught it. But Philippians 2, 3, and 4 gives all these things that Paul says are important for the Christian life, like to work out your salvation daily in fear and trembling. Like, when's the last time we did that? We always we think we've got it all figured out. Like, we have prayer in a room full of almost 200 people, and three people step up because they don't only three that got anything going on. I'm just saying, that's just a, maybe another sermon for another day. But, but, but do all these things and and then four is whatever's good and noble and would focus on these things think on these things well right there in the middle of right after he says I've learned to be content no matter my circumstances in Philippians 3 11 and then I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and all the athletes get the tattoo and bow in the touchdown you don't ever see anybody praising God when they lose the Super Bowl but they giving God the glory when everything goes good come on that's another sermon too but in the middle, right there at, at the end of Philippians 3, Paul says, you know what? And this is layman's terms. He says, if you can't remember all this other stuff I've been saying, just do what you saw me do. Just do what you saw me do. And if you'll do that, then you can be like him. Actually, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 12. I know it's the first verse of 1 Corinthians 11 or 12. He actually says, do as I do because what I do is as Christ did. It's, it's powerful. We live in a generation that would rather, hey, daddy, why do I have to? Because I said so! <laughs> and, like, and I get that. Look, you get a daddy why about 17 times within 30 seconds, it'll make you want to throw a kid. I mean, even though you love them. Like, maybe they'll be like a cat. Maybe they got nine lives and land on their feet. You know, let's try it. Let's hope for the best. See what happens. Maybe they'll land on a bed, something soft. Is there a pillow anywhere? I got to chunk this kid real quick. You know, I get it. I get it. But I almost fell off that step. I, I understand. I understand. But, but we, need, we live in, listen to me, we live in a generation that needs an explanation followed by an example. They don't need another sermon. They've heard it. 
We've heard Billy Graham preach. Come on, somebody. We've seen the revivals. We've watched it all. We're looking for someone to show us how to live this thing out. Let your lives bring credibility to your words. We must produce what we advertise. If people do not see God in us, then why would they believe in who we say he is? They should see him. Jesus said, you're the salt, not at Easter, not in the fall after we fast for a week and go back to school and get back on schedule. No, 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 listen. What God wants to do through his spirit in your life is not based on the season of the year. It's not based on anything that surrounds us, but it's, it's dependent upon everything that is inside of us. Don't be a seasonal Christian. By the way, don't be creepy either. I'm gonna come right back to that. Colossians chapter four, verse five. Paul says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. You know what, I, I don't really like this and you say what you want to, okay? I just, I don't want to hurt people's feelings with things that are unnecessary. I, if I'm going to offend somebody, I'm going to let Jesus do it through his spirit, not my attitude and my actions and my words, okay? So, like, I know, as a general rule, people that are not living for Jesus don't like to be referred to as lost. Like, if you want to win somebody, you don't walk up to them, point in their face and go, you're lost. You need to be found in the name of Jesus. They're like, well, we're, I wish I I wouldn't have found you. That's what they're going to, you know, that's just kind of is a general rule. So when I see this scripture, and this is just an English translation, I like to say, walk in wisdom toward those who are like you used to be. Walk in wisdom toward those who are not yet inside. Because God wants to use you who are inside to reveal himself to those who are not yet inside. See, it is God's will that none should perish, but that all, all would come to repentance. And God subjected his divinity to our discipline. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time, verse 6 says, let your speech always be with grace. Need some help on that one yesterday, actually, uh, with my seven-year-old, almost. She's not even seven yet, and she just brought me to that point, and I'm not using her as an excuse, but man, there was, some, there was some grace that needed to be added to that conversation. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, because salt brings thirst. Salt preserves. Salt gives flavor and makes what you have to say worth consuming, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And then John chapter 4 this is where we're going to hang our hat, land the plane today. Verse 13, Jesus says to this Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, the woman that didn't belong, um, it, it, someone that didn't have his skin tone, his accent, didn't even believe in his God the way that he did. She was Samaritan. He says to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting 
life. We are to be the salt, but we are to let him be the water. But let me, let me say it this way. Too much of me leaves no room for him. Have you ever met somebody? I want to be careful here because I'm, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything, but have you ever met somebody, they just like a little oversaved? Like, maybe they're like, they're so spiritual, they're just like completely unrelatable. You like, you can't even have a conversation with them. You know, you're like, you see them, you're like, man, have I, have you seen my keys? I lost my keys. They're like, you need the keys to the kingdom. Jesus is the key. He is the, it's like, I don't drive a kingdom. I drive a Chevrolet. I just need to find my, you know, like they won't eat pizza unless it's been delivered. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, I stole that joke from Michael Jr. This is his bit. You need to go watch the whole thing. It's hilarious. But there, there really are some people, they just so, so spiritual. This, those people make, unless they're like that all the time. Okay, these people kind of make me nervous. When they come out of the gate because they're really excited, and I'm watching, and I'm going, man, I, I hope that he settles in. I hope that she settles in. Like, I hope, I hope she finds some stability in this thing. Because Paul writes in Corinthians that we are to be steadfast, immovable, not emotionally unstable. Not that we would ebb and flow with the waves and the wind, but that we would be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's who God has called us to be. That too much of me leaves no room, for, no room for him. And I need to be able to be salt so that he can be water. Do yourself a favor. This was hard for me to learn. Stop trying to be Jesus. If somebody's not listening to Jesus, they're not going to listen to you. Just be salt. Just bring the thirst for the one that you say you believe in. Did you give your life because somebody else made you feel bad about the way that you were living currently? No. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. You sensed the sacrifice of your Savior, and therefore you decided... You decided, not because of what somebody else said, but because of what he did, that I may not be able to lean or trust on anyone or anything else, but he has been found faithful, and he will make me that way if I just lean on him. Be salt and let him be water. In closing this morning, it's not dependent upon seasons. It's certainly not dependent upon the summer, you know, the the super spiritual persons, man, it's hot outside. Well, you wait till the book of Revelation comes to pass, brother. You wait, you think it's hot in Eunice. You wait till you get, and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, see him at Walmart. You're like, hey, friend, how you doing today? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God is good all the time, and all the time, I'm like, whew, he's, he's really good. Really good. This must be a divine appointment. I've met you here in Walmart. I'm like, nope, it's not. Just getting some milk, bro. That's got three kids with me. I'm just trying to survive. Just trying to survive. Set up appointments through Miss Debbie. Meet you in the office. Okay, that's where we have. Be great. Be salt. Let him be water. 
Our body needs a certain amount. Salt, sodium. Physically, like we, we need that. Did you know that, I just, quick Google search. Just grass and cows and ice cream. I don't know. Why do cows need salt? And then I, I found out, and farmers, you would know this, but a cow needs salt, a certain amount of sodium and salt in its system in order to produce milk. So in order to produce what it was created to produce, the cow needed salt in its life. If the cow does not have the salt, the way God created this, then he or she will begin to uh, consume things that it wasn't created for. So the cow will go out and begin to eat rocks and dirt and tree. I mean, just anything that it can find that it could get some salt in its system. And actually will begin to consume things that will cause it more damage than ultimately it would have been fulfilled. Hear me. Listen. First of all, if you don't get enough of Jesus in you, like you take vacations from Jesus, you stop spending time with Him because it's summer, you stop giving of yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure, you go into a slump, you'll begin to consume things to try to replace what you're not getting because you will be malnourished if you're consuming Jesus the right way and then He puts people in your path and, and He says that you are the salt of the earth and if we don't stay salty, like if we go on vacation and forget that we're saved, <laughs> if we get cut off in traffic and forget we're, I'm just, just small things. <laughs> your kid raises her voice back at you. <laughs> like, I forgot for a moment. Anytime that we're not the salt that we're supposed to be, potentially the person will go and begin to consume things that they were never meant for. And it will end up causing more damage. Where if we would have just been salt and let Him be water. Jesus in John chapter 4, that passage that I read, He met this woman at the well. Samaritan. Unlike Him. Didn't look like Him. Didn't sound like Him. Didn't act like Him. Didn't even believe in His Father the way that she was supposed to. And yet Jesus decided to share the revelation of worship with her. I believe what Jesus was saying. If you will learn how to worship the way that you were created to, then you will be washed the way that I desire to. He looked at her life and he said, listen, I know that you've been with five men that aren't your husband and the man that you're now with is not your husband. And she's shocked. Is she shocked just because of everything that he told her? Or is she shocked that he would be sitting with her, knowing what he knew, and begin to talk about the only one that could do anything about it? See, biblically, we look at the number six, and that's the number of man. Some people even attribute that to the number of the devil, the mark of the beast. Like some people won't do six reps in the gym. They're like, you got to do one more, one more. I'm like, if I do one more, this is going to kill me, okay? I don't need to do one more. Six is not scary, but it's the number of man. 
And seven, biblically, seven is the number of fulfillment. It's the number of wholeness. The earth was created in seven days. God rested. She had been with six. And she's not fulfilled. She's tried everything that the world has to offer. And yet she still finds herself lonely at the well, trying to consume the same thing over and over again and hoping that it quenches her thirst. But today's different. Today she meets the seventh man, the one that fulfills her. And he says, I am the living water. If you will drink of the water that I provide, then it will well up in your soul and it will become like a fountain springing up from within you towards everlasting life. It's not dependent upon the temperature outside or the season of year. It will last you once and for all time and you can come as drink as often as necessary. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes. Father, right now, maybe there's somebody in the room that just needs to lay it all down. Surrender. Lord, that verse that said, help us to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. When they were deciding whether they were going to come to service today, they felt like they didn't belong. They felt like they were outside. And God, right now, I just rebuke the idea that they don't belong. God, I thank you that none of us deserve what you did for us, but you desire relationship with us so much that you were willing to meet us in our weakest moment just so that you could make us who only you desire for us to be. God, right now, if there's anybody sitting in here that just needs to drink from the well that is you, I pray that they would lay everything else down. Receive your salvation. Confess you as Lord. Be forgiven and free. Lord, if they're in here, help them to receive right now, right now. Nobody looking around, even the people that usually peek. If you're in this room and you woke up today and you came to service today and you just didn't feel like you belong, felt like you were an outsider, felt like you could never do enough, I'm here to tell you today, you can't, but he did. He wants to forgive you because he loves you. He doesn't care where you've been. He just wants you to be with him so he can take you where he has for you to go. If that's you, you're sitting here in this sanctuary this morning. You need to receive salvation. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus or really dedicate your life to Jesus. With nobody looking around, I want to invite you just to lift your hand. We're just going to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you that you're just ready to surrender. You're tired of trying to do it your way because it's not working. You end up at the same place over and over again. Today's your day. We give our best because somebody else did it for us. His name is Jesus. He wants to be the same thing for you that he's been for us. If you want to receive him right now, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Church, as we pray this morning, I want to ask you, are you guilty of following your feelings more than you follow your faith? Being seasonally successful? Do you forget sometimes that Jesus said we are the salt of the earth and it's us that he wants to use to reach the people that he longs for? 
If you need to recommit through this summer to keep your flavor, keep your seasoning, maybe rejuvenate it, I want to invite you to make that prayer of dedication. I want to invite you to make that commitment. Pick that Bible study habit back up. Develop that prayer life again. Plug back into that ministry that God wants to use you in. Plug back into that dream team that you've kind of been drifting away from. Prepare your heart for what God wants to use you to do in small groups and freedom groups this coming fall. Take the time to develop roots in your life that would develop the right fruit in your life that somebody else would desire what you say you believe in. If you would, help us pray. If you raised your hand this morning, even if you didn't, I want to invite you to pray this prayer out loud. Call it the prayer of confession. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is us taking a drink of the well that only He has to offer. Would you pray with us today? Jesus, forgive us where we fall short, where we give in, where we're tempted, where we drift away. Save us. Cleanse us. Help us to see and believe as you do. Thank you for giving your life and raising from the dead so that I could do the same. Take my life. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise today.